Hi, everybody. My name is Grant Fishbook. I'm the lead teaching pastor at Christ the King Bellingham. And I just want to thank you for accessing our latest message online. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to say that one of the things we value the most at Christ the King is biblical community. And so if you're watching this uh, in our area, we'd love to invite you to come and join us on any weekend at one of our five campuses. If you're watching somewhere around the world or somewhere else in the country, we just want to encourage you to make sure that this is not a substitute for your attendance or your connection at a local church. And we really want you to find a family where you can grow, where you can give and where you can receive as well. So we're continuing our series called Taboo 2. Taboo 2 is really an opportunity for us to have conversations in church about topics we don't normally talk about in church. So in just a few moments, we're going to walk into the worship center. If you've missed any content up to this point, I'd encourage you to go back in the sermon archive and catch up with us. But let's head into the worship center right now as we continue our series, Taboo 2. Well, good morning, everybody. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm glad that you are here today. I'd like to welcome everybody who's joining us online as well. I didn't have a clue how to start this message. I thought about telling you my own personal experience with prejudice, but the truth is I only have one flimsy story. But I think I'll tell it anyway. I'm sitting in a ER room in Prince George, British Columbia, waiting to be treated for a nasty case of Giardia. If you don't know what that is, don't look it up. A lady from another ethnicity sat down beside me and whispered under her breath to me, white trash. That's all I have. And the reason that I call that experience flimsy is because if you haven't noticed I am white, you can smile. And I hadn't showered in two weeks because I was tree planting in the northern part of British Columbia. So while her comment was unbelievably insensitive, I do have to give her points for accuracy. <laughs> Couldn't approach this topic from personal experience that would lack integrity. So I decided maybe I should take more of a philosophical angle, but that was troublesome as well because everyone has very, very strong opinions about this topic. I have a small pile of letters in my office that have a common theme. Grant, if you go after blank in this message, I'm going to have to leave. Grant, if you don't address blank in this message, then I'm going to have to leave. Grant, if you don't define this term this way, I'm going to have to question your character and then I'm going to leave. Grant, if you can't answer my question the way I want it answered, I'm going to have to leave. Isn't it interesting that as human beings, we always have a natural fault towards division even though this should be something that unifies us? Here's what I know this morning. For some of you, I'm going to say too much. For some of you, I'm going to say too little. And I'm okay with that because I want to remind you one more time, I'm not a sociologist. I'm not a political scientist. I'm not an anthropologist. I'm not a politician. I'm a pastor. And so I want to invite you on a journey to find the heart of God 
for all people. My journey starts in third grade. I had a friend named Amos Starr. Amos was a native Canadian, and in my town where I grew up, prejudice, stereotyping, and racism was rampant towards the First Nations peoples of Canada. We were doing one of those third grade exercises, let me tell you about me, and it was Amos's term, and he said this, let me tell you about me, I hate being Indian. And having no boundaries as a third grader, and I still don't have any boundaries, I just blurted out, why, Amos? And he said, because no one sees me. I have a question, why do I still remember to this day with crystal clarity what Amos said to me in the third grade? I'll tell you why. It's because it represents a broken piece of our current reality that needs to be made right, that every human being should be seen of intrinsic value because the image of God is stamped on their soul. So instead of our focusing attention out, We're going to focus our attention in. It's easy to press this issue out. As long as racial issues are in Charleston or Baltimore or Ferguson or Charlottesville, then that's out of my purview and I somehow find a way to be okay with it. But instead of focusing our attention out, let's get personal and go deeply in. Let's allow God to search our hearts and our biases and press into a question that every single person in the room needs to answer today. It's a personal question between you and God. It has nothing to do with me. Is there any prejudice in your heart at all? Now, before we're quick to answer that, let's press in. Is there anything in my heart that causes me to generalize, stereotype, categorize, or assume anything about a human being based on the color of their skin or the origin of their family? Is there anything in my heart that makes a judgment based on ethnicity, nationality, or community? Is there anything in my heart that demeans or diminishes a human being based on anything other than the content and the character of their heart? Is there anything in my heart that would excuse the treachery of my humor or my pure insensitivity because I haven't chosen to see the pain of a brother or sister who looks different than me, but that has a human heart and the image of God pressed into their soul? Is there any cultural bias that I take with me to a local store when somebody gets just a little bit close into my space? This is personal. Famous words speak to it. Only famous words from a father to an entire nation. I have a dream That my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. So I've got to ask myself the question, is there anything in my heart that chooses to see anything other than a content of a person's character first and foremost? The Bible says that man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart, so it means this, I'm being godly when I choose to look first at the human heart rather than this outward shell that wraps all of us. Before we dive into the word today, I'm going to say this for clarity. I'm going to say it because I believe it to the core of my being. Racism, prejudice, discrimination, and segregation in any form is evil and completely antithetical to the heart and the gospel of Jesus. Let that sink in. You may have noticed this is the only topic that we have tackled in both of our series of taboo. We've done it because it's so important. First time around, Pastor Jamin Hartsook 
shared his experience as a Korean-born, American-raised follower of Jesus. And today, I'm going to share my perspective as a Canadian-born, careful now, (laughs) Caucasian follower of Jesus. And to do that, I want to open up the Bible and show you a beautiful truth. The God of the Bible is not colorblind, but currently and historically colorful. I'm always surprised when I hear people say that in response to the taboo topic of racism. I am just colorblind. My first thought is, that's so unfortunate. That's so unfortunate because you're missing out on so much beauty. I think we need to say this as a follower of Jesus. I can't ignore the fact that you are brown or you are black or you are whatever shade that God designed you to be. I think actually to take that perspective would be an affront to the God who made you so beautifully unique. Your ethnicity is a gift that God reinforces over and over again in Scripture. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start at the end of the book, and we're going to reverse engineer this all the way to creation, which means we're going to be done sometime about 4 o'clock this afternoon. I hope you're ready. Just saying, all right? God is not colorblind, but currently and historically colorful. We're going to move fast. Let's start at the end. Heaven is colorful. When it's all said and done, the nations of the earth... Now be careful, every time you see nations in Scripture, you need to think bigger than nationality. It refers to ethnicity. It means all people, all races, all groups. It's all-encompassing to humanity. It says that all of the nations will gather and focus on Jesus. Listen to this. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, every tribe, every people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So at the end of time, all nations, all ethnicities will gather and focus not on our differences, but on our common Savior, Jesus. He will be the focal point. I heard someone say this. When I get to heaven, I want to be in the African section because I love their worship. That sounds right, but do you notice we have a natural bias towards thinking in sections? In heaven, all sections will be gone. We will worship together and proclaim salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I will remind you, the Lamb took away the sins of the world. The precious Lamb of God bled and died for all mankind. And when He bled, He didn't bleed black or white or yellow. He bled red like every human being bleeds. The Lamb who put the same color blood in all of us will draw us together completely in the end. Heaven will be colorful. Praise God. Let's move on. The original church of Jesus was colorful. I love the story of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes and invades the hearts of humankind. I wrote just some of the highlights from the outline. The Bible says now that we're staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. You should underline that. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Every ethnicity, nationality, and community The Bible goes on in the last days. God said, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. I would challenge you to put a counter on it and see how many times I say all today. According to last night's person in the front row from Saturday night, I say it over 40 times. Get used to it. 
God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. We just finished a study in Genesis. You will remember the story of the Tower of Babel. When God confused language because of the pride of mankind, what God is doing in Pentecost is the undoing of Babel. But I want you to notice something. God doesn't bring these people of different nations back together into uniformity. The Bible says each one could understand the gospel in his own language. This is God unifying understanding about Jesus through diversity. My brothers and sisters, diversity was God's idea. Let's keep going. The great commission of Jesus is colorful. In the beginning, God set in motion a plan for His love and His grace to ripple apart every, across every part of the world into all people. Listen to the instructions, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus sends out His followers to every person in every nation to share a common message about Jesus. And I ask the question, if every person didn't matter, why didn't God just tell them to look after them and there? I'll tell you why. It's because we are all His. And if you share my Trinitarian viewpoint, we are all theirs. Let's keep going. The ministry of Jesus was colorful. Jesus broke racial barriers, social barriers, ethnic barriers, cultural barriers, societal barriers. In fact, in one chapter of Scripture, He breaks all of the barriers at the same time in one conversation. John chapter 4 says this. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. There was an ancient rule in this culture. Jews and Samaritans, Uh uh-uh. That was a line. There was a divide and you didn't cross that line. What I love about my Savior is Jesus crossed the line. He crossed the line because the line was evil. And as followers of Jesus, we should all be willing to press into those barriers, not just in words, but in deed, and to stand and press through simply because any line that divides us, according to my Bible, is evil. Now we get to my favorite one. Jesus himself is colorful. I was so confused as a young Canadian kid born on the prairies in Manitoba, because in my church, every picture that I ever saw of Jesus, he looked just like me. Apparently, Jesus was white, had brown feathered hair, and perfect teeth, because every picture I saw showed him that way. Now, this may be a shock, but it's true. Jesus was a dark-skinned, Middle Eastern Jewish man. Amen? He was, right? I kind of like that. You know why? Because bottom line, if you struggle with racism, anti-Semitism, or cultural bias, Jesus is a problem for you. He's a problem for you. On top of that, he's a poor, homeless, itinerant rabbi. That just messes everything up. If you struggle in this area, you have a problem with our Savior. Jesus is colorful, people. Deal with it celebrate it. Let's keep going. The gospel of Jesus is intentionally colorful. 
Anybody else notice that Satan doesn't discriminate? He'll take out a brown man as fast as he will a white woman. He doesn't discriminate. Sin doesn't discriminate. It will devastate anyone as long as you have a pulse and a heartbeat. Sin affects people, all people, regardless of their ancestry. And because Satan and sin don't discriminate, the gospel has to be powerful enough to not discriminate and step across to all people. Listen to your Bible. And once again, every time you see that word, all in there, you may want to circle it. The Bible says in Romans 10, as Scripture says, anyone... Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, who richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I am so thankful for Logos Bible software. It allows me to do Greek word studies to the depth that, that, that most of us, it just melts your brain. Once again this week, I did a Greek word study on the word everyone, and here's what it means. Some of you know what I'm going to say. Everyone. That's what it means. Acts chapter 10, God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him. And do what is right. I don't even need to say anything about that. That verse preaches itself. Let's keep moving. The modern church of Jesus is colorful. I celebrate this. Today, there are more people in the family of God who don't look like me than do. I think that's beautiful. The family of God has brothers and sisters in China, in Thailand, in Iceland, in Latvia, in Kenya, in Madagascar, and I could go on and on, and we should celebrate that because the Bible says these words. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Some of you will remember, Jesus loves the little children All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world, and we are all God's children. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You know, I don't know about you, but the goal of my life is not to become more and more white. The goal of my life is to become more and more like Jesus because that's what creates the bond of family. i got to press on. Two more to go. The biblical history of mankind is colorful. Listen to your Bible again. Acts 17, from one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and determines the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. One man, Adam, that's where it all started and his wife Eve. To be specific, a Middle Eastern man from an area that would be modern day Iran or Iraq, which will mess some of us up completely, where the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers meet the Persian Gulf, which means simply this, to every single human being in this room who is breathing, your parents, 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 as far back as you can go are the same original parents that came and produced me, and at some level we have to understand we have a common ancestry, and we should celebrate that. 
One more. God's creation is colorful. My friend Thomas Amolo came to visit our church from Kenya. I had the opportunity to go to Kenya earlier this year. I'll be heading there again in February to work with some precious pastors who are there. And I love to go to Africa because the culture is so vibrant and colorful and beautiful. Thomas had an opportunity to come here. You will remember him. He, he prayed over us in his native dialect. It was beautiful. It was moving. When Thomas came, I loved his comment about the Pacific Northwest landscape. He said, I have never seen so many shades of green. And we get immune to it, don't we? Don't even see it. It's there every single day. Thomas was just like, oh. every color, every creature, every form of light, every tone of humanity, they all testify to the creator who made them and stamped them with his image. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created them. The Bible is so clear. So if this isn't personal enough for you, let's go there now. As part of my sermon preparation, I called my friend Darius. Darius calls himself a proud black man. We have been friends for 15 years. We spend a lot of time together, and I love him. To get ready for this sermon, I needed to do some sermon prep. So I called my friend Darius, and I asked him about his world living as a black man in Whatcom County. And he told me a bunch of stories. He talked about how it felt to be introduced at a business function this way, Darius is black, his wife is white, and he was introduced in public this way with his whole family. This is Darius and his wife, and aren't his mixed children beautiful? It was subtle, it was undeniable. I asked him, what did you do? And I loved his response because of how biblical it was. He said, I went to my friend. And I said, I'm going to assume that you didn't intend to hurt my, and these are his words, my caramel kids. <laughs> but you did. So as we move forward in our relationship, I would appreciate that you would see my kids for what they are. My kids. He shared that story. He talked about what it was like to have to take the hoodies away from his two boys for a time because he was afraid for them to wear them out in public. He spoke of how he had to explain to his sons why people would say to them, you must have some experience in gangs because of where you came from. Or why people just got nervous around them and would cross to the other side of the street. And then he told me stories that I think broke both of our hearts. He told me how his grandparents had not been allowed to drink out of that water fountain because of the color of their skin. One of the reasons they moved here. 
He talked about how his grandma actually had to ride in the back of the bus because she wasn't allowed to sit in the front of the bus because of the color of her skin. And he kept adding these words. It's not that big of a deal. In that moment, God spoke to me and I did not expect what he was going to say. Because God said, you have never bothered to ask him about his life that way. So what kind of a friend does that make you? I never bothered to ask. Never bothered to understand. And the Holy Spirit of God pressed in on my heart and crushed me once again, and I had no choice but to ask for Darius's forgiveness, and he forgave me because that's what brothers do. I had a moment of clarity. No member of my family has ever been told they couldn't ride on a bus or drink out of a fountain because of the color of their skin, to my knowledge. No member of my family was ever kept out of school because of their heritage or their gender. That all happened to my brother's grandparents in this country, and I believe that should matter to me because it was wrong, and to this day, it still hurts the heart of my brother. You know why we need to talk about this? It's because this is family. This is personal. And don't think for a second that I, that, that I am under the, the grand mystery that somehow this is the end all and the be all of this. My hope and prayer is that we begin a series of conversations that can keep going and keep rippling because this matters and that our church could be a place of safety where we can fully embrace each other as the family that we're supposed to be. I put a bunch of things in your outline to guide us through this because I'm not sure that you can just say this kind of thing and let it go and slap each other a high five. I would ask you to answer the original question, do, do you have prejudice in your heart at all? And I would include all of the areas of cultural bias and all of the different places that we go to when we talk about this, not to just simply oversimplify the question my prayer is that we will all open our heart and receive the correction of God that, that needs to be corrected inside of us, that we would confess the sin, that we would refuse to simplify, that we'd seek to understand, that we would humble ourselves, that we would be obedient to Romans 15, 7, that we'd ask for forgiveness and be the answer to Jesus' prayer. And I wrote that stuff and said, I'm just going to walk people through that whole thing. I think it's going to be good. And one of my friends, this is actually a sermon by committee. I reached out to multiple people in our congregation and I said, I don't often ask for people to edit the word before it goes out, but this is so important to get right that we need to do this well. Would you please give me feedback? And they all said with one voice, make sure you spend time at the end so we get a chance to check our hearts. So we're going to do that right now. 
So can you do me a favor? Can you focus on your own heart right now? Can you do the best you can to resist pressing this into, boy, I wish so-and-so was here to hear about this. Let's not make this about anybody else other than ourselves and God himself. And let me ask you a series of questions that I've been asking myself all week long. How did you answer the original question? And were you too quick to answer? Do you hold any prejudice in your heart towards anyone? Do you need to confess a bias that's taken root in your heart to Jesus who calls you to do what He does and look at the heart? Do you need to humbly confess that you do look at the outward appearance? carry judgments in your heart towards people? Do you need to invite God to search you and know you and see if there's any wicked way in you? I know that I have had to do that. Have you oversimplified the issue of racism to the point where the pain of another family member doesn't even touch you or occur to you? Do you need to confess that? You need to be reminded of Romans 15, 7. It simply says, accept one another. Good verse. Do you need to go back to someone and apologize for that insensitive comment? Do you need to just stop using humor that divides instead of unifies? Do you need to stand up in the face of injustice and call evil what it is? You need to follow the example of Jesus in doing that. Do you need to simply understand a brother's or sister's story so that you know firsthand what they face in their life in Whatcom County every day? And I would encourage you to make sure that you operate within the relational network that God has given you because those are the friendships that matter the most. Do you need to initiate racial reconciliation because the love of Jesus compels you to? To reach a hand, to wash a foot? Do you need to be the answer to the prayer request of Jesus? In John 17, Jesus actually makes a prayer request to his Father. And he says this, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. What if we could be the answer to Jesus' prayer? The Bible says if we do, there is an effect. When God's family acts like a family and refuses to be divided, the effect is this, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. 
We want the world to know Jesus. It starts right here, loving each other. And refusing to allow anything to come between us as one family under God. You are very quiet this morning. I know. This is a tough one because we see it, don't we? And often the deepest conviction is we've seen it, but we haven't done anything about it. So today we're going to start here. With us. With a prayer. In a moment I'm going to pray. And while I'm praying, the band is going to come and Andy's going to lead us in a song that includes the word Hosanna. Most of us see that as a praise word. The truth is, it's a prayer word. It means God save us. God save us. May we never be the kind of people that turn a blind eye to the differences, but instead see the beauty, the inherent beauty in every human being as we look for the thumbprint of God on the soul of every person. So we're going to sing. The words we're going to sing are prophetic. I see a generation rising up to make a change. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I know that you have heard me pray all week. Jesus, please allow me to do no harm. God, and I pray that in the quietness of this service that we would all reflect deeply and not just step around or bypass, but that we would press into the taboo so that it would be broken in our lives, in our hearts, in this city, in this county, in this country, in this world. God, thank you so much for being willing to look at my heart even when it's wicked. God, thank you for never giving up on us and allowing us to be ambassadors of reconciliation with the gospel. God, I pray that we would do what you have prompted in our heart to do this week. Maybe it's confess. Maybe it's repent. Maybe it's to choose to see differently. Maybe it's to reach out. Maybe it's to ask. God, whatever it is, would you please allow our motivation to be love? Thank you for the gift of love for each of us that flows from your heart. May we choose to exercise that love to all the people of the world that you've created. So God, would you hear our prayer now? Hosanna, God, save us. God, save us from ourselves. Save us from apathy. Save us from not caring. Save us from not asking. God, may this be a place where the unity of God's family is celebrated in beautiful ways. 
We give ourselves to that beautiful task today. We pray these things in the precious, unifying and loving name of Jesus. And all God's people said, I want to thank you so much for joining us today online. I want to give you an opportunity again to really get connected into community. And so if you're in Whatcom County, we'd love to have you join us at one of our five campuses. If you're not in Whatcom County, we really want to encourage you again to get plugged into a local church. To find out more about Christ the King or to give online or to submit a prayer request, I want to encourage you to go to ctk.church. Once again, thank you for joining us.